I want to explain how the gospel worked today. And my title is Work Not. That's how the gospel worked. Because the gospel doesn't need us. We think that we may or somehow able to contribute to the gospel in some way for our salvation. Because what the gospel is, is salvation. The gospel is the good news. And the gospel is the good news of what God has done. Each one of us, we need to come to an understanding of how the gospel works so that you can come back to the gospel every time the devil comes to you and lies to you. There's the revealed word of God and there's the hidden word of God. And the hidden word of God is the Old Testament. The revealed word of God is the gospel. Let's turn to St. John chapter 6. I want to set us up so that we begin to think about the gospel from the perspective of Jesus Christ. The gospel is not about work. The gospel is about faith. So what I want to talk to you about today is how it works so that we don't work. We never contribute to the gospel. Starting from verse 26, give the context, and then we'll go into what it means, what the gospel means. Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me, not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. Here's the, the word that you should underline if you are the type that underlines or highlights your Bible. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life. Work for everlasting life. So you think, wait a minute, is my thesis wrong? Let us continue which the Son of Man shall give unto you. Now, if you didn't get that, I won't blame you because it's not easy to make that connection. He said, labor for eternal life, but wait, I give it to you. I give that labor to you. I've done it for you. Now, he continue to reveal what that means. For him that God the Father sealed... Now here's the important part of the gospel. The work that Jesus Christ did was completed and sealed. Meaning, you cannot open it again and put your work into it. It's already sealed. It's done. It's finished. It's not contaminated by what we do or our contribution. And then it goes on to even say in a more expressive way, then said they unto him, What shall we do? They didn't get it. Are you following the Bible? Are you looking at your Bible right now? He said, It's been done. It's finished. It is sealed. You cannot open it and add your stuff into it. The gospel is sealed. And then they respond to him, Lord, what shall we do? They didn't get it. What shall we do that we might work the works of God? They want to contribute to their salvation. They want to add on to the gospel. They want to have their fingerprint into the work that makes up their salvation. Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that you believe on Him whom he has sent. 
That's it. That's it. That is the gospel. That's it. The gospel is the good news of what Jesus Christ has done. God took that work, sealed it. You cannot open it and add anything to it again. All we can do is believe. But would you say, is your faith work? Yes, but not unto salvation. Make that distinction. You cannot work for your salvation, but if I don't go to work, if you don't go to school, if we don't do work, then what happened? You're going to die. You're going to be hungry. You're going to be ignorant. There is a certain kind of work that we must do as human beings, but there are no work that you can do to contribute to your salvation. So what we are talking about here is the work of your salvation that we cannot add to it because Jesus Christ has done the work and sealed it. Now, what is the role of faith then in terms of your salvation? What must I do to satisfy? Because we lack faith or our faith is not strong enough to believe that the work that Jesus Christ did is enough. So we always think in terms of what can I do? Can I be good enough? If I'm just good enough, is that warrant or is that qualified me to be loved by God? If I just behave in a certain way, God would love me more. If I'm a bad person, God must hate me. None of those is true. See, God looks at every one of you through the eyes of Jesus Christ. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You cannot be a worse sinner than the sinner that Christ died for. So there's nothing that you can do that Christ didn't die for you. And there's nothing that you can contribute to God that would warrant God loves you more. The will of God, salvation, is divided into two paths. The Old Testament path and the New Testament path. There are two ways to be saved. One is through the law and the other is through the gospel. First of all, why do human, we think that we need to do something so that God would save us? Because we know that we've done something wrong. So we must do something to fix that wrong thing that we've done. Let's say you have a sister, a young sister. For some reason, you think it's funny or you think it's, um, it would be cool to push her down the stairs. I'm not wrong. Some of you think it's funny. And she broke her bone and she become paralyzed for the rest of her life. You don't think it's funny anymore. The ambulance come, took your sister away, you don't know what's wrong with her, and then return your sister to your family. And no one in the family said anything. You're hurt. You're sad. You don't know what's going on, but no one's saying anything. Let's say your dad is in this room. You want to find out what's going on, what's going to happen to me. And so before you walk into the study, you think, hmm, is there anything that I can do to make this better? You think, maybe it's me coming to him because no one has said anything. So if I just come to him, that would just to show him that 
I am sorry, very, very sorry. I'm remorseful of what's going on. And you think if you open the door and you come in, he says, bad, bad son. I'm going to punish you by pushing you down the stairs and see how you like it. That's not what happened. You think going into the room and your father won't say anything. You stand there in front of the father and he won't say anything. And as you open your mouth and you're about to apologize for what you've done, he said, you're not my son. Get out of here. I don't know you. You're not a brother in this family. I don't know who you are. Which one's more painful? Third scenario is this. You walk into the room and your father doesn't say anything. But your sister says, my brother. Come, it's all forgiven. Nothing to worry about. You're my brother. What can you do at that point? How can you contribute to the forgiveness and to the love that you've been shown? Nothing you can say. Nothing you can do. There isn't anything else that you can do. That is salvation. That is when the father opens the mouth and says, You're my son. I love you. I don't understand. How can this be? That's what the gospel is. We've been raised and trained, brought up in an environment where we think that we need to do something. But think about in that scenario, there's nothing that you can do to make the situation better. There's nothing you can do to contribute to your salvation. That's what the gospel is. The sister is still paralyzed. Your action that caused her paradise is still there. But in the scenario that the gospel given to us is that your sister is completely healed. Your sin, what you've done, it's totally gone. But I push, you didn't. But she was, she's not. What happened? The layer that the gospel puts on this story is that Jesus Christ stood in your place in front of the Father and when the Father says, I don't know you, get out of my sight. It was not you, but someone else came before you, went into your Father's house and took that blame for you. Why would God do that. Can't God just say, you're forgiven? He can't. Because there is the justice and the righteousness of God that says someone who sinned is going to be punished. Otherwise, God is not just if he would not punish sinners. Now, there's a difference between satisfaction, meaning God has to be satisfied because someone violated his law, he has to be satisfied. 
when the perpetrator of the violation is punished, God is satisfied. Don't misunderstand satisfaction with gratification. Gratification is when someone hits you, you punch him in the face, and you're happy about it now because you hurt him more. That's gratification. You're now happy because you have one up on him. God does not need to be gratified. God is eternally happy, but His righteousness has to be shown by punishing those who violate His law. And therefore, there's a law. And God says, I'm going to show you how much I love you. I'm going to leave this whole timeline of the Old Testament and you can do whatever you need to do. Try as hard as you can to see if you can satisfy the requirement of my law. So he gave the law of Moses and said, go ahead, take as many generations as you need. Live in such a way that would satisfy my law. No one could satisfy God's law. And so, there is a gospel. So let me contrast between the law and the gospel and to see why the gospel is the only way to God. The gospel is the only way to satisfy God's justice, and that is what the gospel means. First, the purpose of the law is to tell us that we have done something horrible, a crime against God for all eternity. That's what the law is there to tell you. What I did and what I must do to make this right. That is what the law will say. In contrast, the gospel is what I've done and then what Jesus did for me. So you see the difference between the law and the gospel. I'm going to talk about the law first and I'm going to talk about the gospel. So to plead our case with God, we need to appear before Him. Remember, you need to go into your father's study. He's not going to come to you. He's not in the wrong here. You are in the wrong, so you need to come to God. But God is holy. He won't see you. You're a sinner. You cannot come before God. So how can you come before God? So what you're going to do is you're going to attempt to try your best to do all the right things so that maybe what you've done wrong will become overshadowed by all your good work. Then maybe God will see you. That's what we think. But that's not how it works. It's a little tiny sin will prevent you because God is holy and there are no unholiness come before Him. But still, we think that we can come into God at any time we want. You can't. You don't know where He is. Even though He's everywhere, but He's nowhere with the sinners. The law states that if you keep it perfectly, then you're good. Then you satisfy the requirement of the law. The law is about what I need to do for myself. The gospel is what Jesus Christ did for me. Work on one hand, faith on the other hand. The law commands what I must do for myself in order to make me righteous. Just think how ridiculous that is. But for thousands of years, we tried, didn't we? All the Old Testament, we tried. Now that the gospel has been revealed, you realize that it's undoable work. It's impossible. You can't. So you do, and your work is imperfect. You can't come to God. So you try harder, and then you can't. You keep on trying, and then what happens? You're still not justified. God's still not satisfied because all the work that you do is 
unrighteousness. Isaiah says, filthy rags. All your righteousness are filthy rags before God. So God does not want work done by sinner. Because our hands are already dirty, whatever work that you prepare will be dirty. We're sinners. Whatever we touch is tainted with sin. So it doesn't matter what work you do. It's impossible because your work is tainted with sin and is unacceptable to God. So we keep on trying harder, harder, and harder when you try so hard and you still can't please God. You get angry with God. That's what happened to Luther. He gets angry with God. The impossible thing is God would not grant an audience to you because you're a sinner. It's impossible. What can you do? You're stuck, unable to find an answer. There's nothing you can do that grants you an audience with God. God will not forgive you. The harder you try, the more angry with God you become. If you are sincere, there are some people who say, oh, forget it. I'm not going to try to please God anymore. But those are not the people we're talking about today. I have good news. Gospel means good news. When the people on this earth are stuck, the angels come and said, we have good news for you because this day there's a savior born to you. He, in your place, will appear before God and do the work for you. That is the good news. That is the gospel. That's what the gospel means. Since I cannot come to God through good works, God must come to me. But here's the problem. God is holy. And we know that God cannot come to us. When I say God here, it implies that I'm talking about the Father or the Trinity. But most likely, I'm talking about God the Father. So how can God come to us? Well, you'll know the answer. God took on flesh. God took on flesh. Became a person. His name is Emmanuel. God with us. Or we also known him as Jesus. Yes, the Savior. God comes to us, took on flesh, but does not take on our sin. The crucial point is that he does not take on our sin. He is not born of a man and a woman. He took on flesh, form of a man. Jesus, looking upon them, said, With men it is impossible. But with God, it is possible because he planned it. This from the beginning. We cannot come to God, but he can come to us by Christ taking on flesh and appearing before men. Isn't that incredible? Think about it. God had this plan since the beginning. He knows how he's going to save you. And God comes to us in the flesh. That is great news. You can't come to God so he comes to you. The love of God. The gospel is God's answer to the impossibility of the law requirement and therefore Jesus Christ was born. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did what? Sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. God does all of this so that we can have or inherit his righteousness. What, what else do you think that we can do to contribute to our salvation? There's nothing that we can do, work, to make our salvation more. 
than what it has been. It is complete. It is perfect. It is marvelous what God has done, what Christ did for me. This is the work of the gospel. The work of the law is what I do for myself. The work of the gospel is what Christ did for me. The Son of God given to us before the world began, meaning God already knew this happens. This is what's called a double predestination, meaning God predestined that Adam would sin and God already predestined the salvation before he predestined Adam to sin, the double predestination. What I cannot do, Christ did for me, Jesus, as the Son of Man. He was the Son of God, but He did this in the form of the Son of Man, benefit to us as the Son of Man. He did two things that we cannot do. Number one, He kept the law perfectly. He had no sin. When He was brought before Pilate, what did Pilate say? I found no fault in this man. No sin at all. So therefore, He is able to come to God because He has no sin, God the Father. We can't come because we're sinners. Second thing that he did was he obeyed the law perfectly. Every aspect of the law was obeyed perfectly. There's nothing in the law that he did not do. So those two things allow him to come to the Father. He is granted the audience with the Father, and the Father pronounced judgment on him and cast him out on your behalf. On the cross, Jesus said these words, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It was when God cast Jesus Christ out on your behalf. We sinned and Christ was cast out. Because Jesus Christ was sinless when he went to the cross, he died not for his sin, but he died for your sin. He was not cast out before God because of What he did wrong, he was cast out before God because we did the wrong things. And he satisfied the requirement of God's law. And therefore, he can, because he has the authority, he was sinless, he can say, then what I have done, I will give that work to you. I impute it to you. Even though you did not do that work, I give you the imputation of the work that I did. And it means that you did that work. That's what imputation means. It means that whatever Jesus Christ did, you did it because he imputed it to you. You live the law perfectly. You obey the Father perfectly because Jesus Christ imputed to you, placed it on you, given to you. The question now becomes, how do you get this imputation? How do you get Christ imputed work onto yourself? Jesus says, one word, believe. Do you believe it? Everything that I just told you just now, do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus Christ took your place, appeared before the Father, got the wrath of God poured on him, went to the cross, not for his sin, for your sin. And now he promised to you that you can be righteous because he said that you are righteous. Do you believe this? If you do believe this, then you have the gospel. That's what the gospel is. Now, if you don't believe it, then you can continue to go back and try to do work harder on your salvation and make God happy with your work of salvation. If you do, then the gospel says that you are now justified because of your faith. If you believe what I just told you, 
What does it mean by believe? You take it as a gospel. If you receive it and take it as the gospel, that's what that word actually means. You take it and believe it, then you are justified. Just like that. But isn't there something that happens, it has to happen inside my heart? No. The heart is deceitful. Faith is what requires. If you believe what I just told you, then you are justified. Now, there are great debates on how sure is your salvation. But let's just say, if you have faith in what you have just heard, then the gospel has come to you. Then you have the gospel. Do you believe this? If you don't, then I'm telling you there are two forces that's working right now in your mind. One is yourself, and two is the devil. What is working against that force is the gospel, the word of God. And what I'm telling you, do you believe in the promise of Jesus Christ? Do you believe? Do you truly believe it? If you have doubt right now, you don't believe because the devil terrify you, making you think that, no, but I'm, I don't feel righteous. I don't feel, I need to do something. I need to do something. That is unbelief. If you believe, if you believe in this word, simply by hearing, simply by hearing, then the gospel is yours. Yes, there are uncertainty. Now, if you listen, there's a change in status. The law makes you an enemy of God. The law says, you did something wrong, now you are God's enemy. You are God's enemy because you decided from the beginning to listen to the devil instead of listening to God. God said, don't eat that fruit. What's the other voice? Try the food. It is good for the eye. It's good for your brain. It's good for your health. It's all that good stuff. There are two voices. And we, our father, our forefather, decided to listen to whom? The devil. The devil's still speaking. And if you hear the gospel today and you think that you need to do something for your salvation, the devil is still talking to you. No, you're not good enough. You're not good enough. The gospel is not that simple. It's not just faith that saves you. So the devil is still talking to you, and because you ate that fruit, Adam, the first Adam ate that fruit, and therefore we are an enemy of God. But we know God loves his enemy, and therefore we're still here until set time where the judgment will come. And because we are an enemy of God, we fight against God, and Unfortunately, you're not the devil. I said, unfortunately, you're not the devil because the devil would be your commander and you are only his servants. And therefore, whatever he commands you to do, you do, even though you know serving him means death, but there's nothing you can do. That's called the bondage to sin. There's nothing you can do. You keep on serving him, even though you know that you shouldn't serve him, but because you're a servant to the devil, and therefore you keep on doing sin, and in the end, you're defeated in death. On the other hand, you heard the gospel today, and you said, but I'm still uncertain of my faith. I'm still uncertain. I, I, I don't know how. How is it possible that I hear the gospel and only simply believe in the word that you heard today that you are saved? You're simply just uncertain about it. The gospel comes by hearing and hearing by 
the word of God. The Apostle Paul cannot be any more explicit in saying that. The gospel is preached unto you. You hear it. You believe it. You're saved. Too easy? No. The work of Jesus Christ did to enable that in your life is impossible for any person to do. Not easy at all. But our faith in Christ is the gift of God through grace. Grace makes everything simple, but it's not easy. Not easy. Uncertainty is fine. And that is why you need to come back to the Word of God. What does the Word of God say? If you believe, you say, that's what the Word of God said. But then, but then I don't feel that way. It doesn't matter what you feel because that's what the, that's what the devil would do. He tried to affect your feeling. But what does the gospel say? What does the Word of God say? If you believe, you're saved. You're mine. None can rip you out of my hand. That's what the Bible says. Do you believe that? If you believe that, then you are listening and believing and trusting in the Bible, in the gospel. And that gospel makes you a child of God and not an enemy of God. For we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we have received what? The spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Why are these words so important to me? Why do I need to memorize these words? Because I need to tell myself when the devil comes and tries to terrify me with the accusations, I say, no, no, we, I have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. I'm no longer a child of the devil. I am now the child of God through adoption. The spirit testified in me and adopted through the spirit. And therefore, I will conquer death when death comes. How is that? When my body dies, Jesus Christ, the way he was resurrected, I will be resurrected. I believe that. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? If you don't believe that, then the devil is lying to you. You need to come back to the gospel. Listen to the gospel. That's why you're here. That's why there are so many people today think that they don't need to hear the gospel because they, need, they think that one day they'll be able to afford to do something for their salvation. But unless you hear the gospel, it cannot make you stronger, affirm your faith. The gospel is what makes you. The preaching and the hearing the gospel is what affirming and make you stronger in the faith. If you listen to garbage, then you talk garbage. Jesus Christ says that you are purified through the words that I speak to you. So it is, really is the audible word. Now, I will talk to you in the future. If I remember, I talked to you about the, the working of the Holy Spirit. What about those people who are deaf? What about those people who are blind? What if they don't have the felicity to hear? Yes, the gospel addresses all that. I'm talking to all of you who can hear the gospel today. The words come into your ears, comes into your understanding. And if you believe, you are saved. Now, who's going to speak the word of God? Who's going to be a preacher? Because if the gospel is about listening to the gospel and through the gospel we believe, then who among us, who among you, who are in our midst today, who here are going to be the preacher of the word? I put that up so that you, you can think about what your responsibility is. Now, my preaching of the word today to you does not add one iota to your salvation. It does not. 
What it does is strengthen your faith so that when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, your fear is lessened because you have more faith because the word of God is preached to you, that you can walk, that you can be confident in the love of God for you. And that is what the preaching of the gospel. And the preaching of the gospel is that if some of you today, and I hope not, if some of you today have not put your faith in Jesus Christ, then the gospel comes to you today and saves you when you believe. The gospel makes you the child of God. Do you believe this? This is the gospel promise. If you don't, then you're in the right place because this is where I hope the gospel is preached. And when you hear the gospel, you can be confident that God does not lie. He said, this is what makes you safe. We'll never be worthy. Even if you believe in the gospel, the wasp, wow, that's a new word, the gospel. Sounds, sounds like gospel with wings, huh? Maybe I should, should coin a new term, gospel. <laughs> um, if you believe in the gospel, and the gospel is there because we feel unworthy all the time, and we need to come back to the, the word of God said, you are mine, you belong to me. It's not what you do, it's what I've done for you. That's what the gospel promises. For God has made Christ to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made righteousness of God in him. Jesus Christ did it. Lastly, the two uses of the law on the other side, with Christ in the middle. First, there's a civil use, and then secondly, there is the evangelical use. Evangelical here means gospel, good news. Civil use requires work, and then evangelical use requires faith. There are two uses of the law. The demands of the law shows me all the things that I've done wrong and that I can never measure up. My ongoing sins, because I cannot control my sinful action because I'm a sinner, that's what sinners do, sin. The civil use of the law says, because I'm a sinner, I'm going to be punished for my sin. And it terrifies me. The more I live, the more sin. Because I'm a sinner, the more sin I will accumulate. And then it requires some kind of work to repay the sin. You hear about people flogging themselves, thinking that they need to do something to atone for the sin in their life. And that's what the civil use of the law is, to, to terrify you. The law is there to terrify you, to make sure you do the right thing. But unfortunately, the more it terrifies us, the more we see that we are incapable of fulfilling what the law requires. So what happens is that we become resentful to God. We hate God. God, you said, if I just live righteously, but I can't. <clears throat> so you become resentful to God. And then you hate God, you hate yourself, you hate everybody. And some people carry this out in their lives to people around them. You see, uh, there are people who are perpetually, who are constantly, who are always angry at everyone. Because they're angry with God. Because there's sin in their life. And this is what happens. There's hopelessness, there's fear, and never-ending cycle until the judgment comes down. Now let's just talk about um, the hope that we have through the evangelical use of the law. This is where the gospel comes in and said, let me show you how you can live free through the gospel. Jesus Christ confers his perfect work onto you because yes, my sin is still there. I can't do anything about it. 
In due time, Jesus Christ came, took my sin, went to the cross, and died for me. He fulfilled all of the requirements of the law. Live righteously, do all the right things, keep all the right commandments. Yes, everything that he did, all the requirements of the law, God is satisfied. If you remember on the cross, before Jesus died, it is finished. Nothing left to do. All the requirement, everything that God demands, He did it all for you. He did it, He finished it on the cross. Now Jesus Christ died on the cross. That's it. That is the end. The death of Jesus Christ was the end, the completion, the sealing of that work. The tomb, everything is sealed. That work is done. Now, what are we supposed to do? We still feel the sin. We still commit sin. There's still anxiousness in our lives. Aren't and there not? Did you sin this morning? I woke up in a sweat today because in my dream, I dreamt that I was late for my flight. I was so anxious in my dream. I knew that I only have half an hour to get to the airport. The airport was very close. The dream is still vivid in my mind. I'll tell you why this is. Daniel told me that he would wake up with me this morning. So he said that he'll wake up with me and he asked me, this is why it gets into my mind. He asked me, should I still sleep in my Sunday clothes? <laughs> but when I went to sleep, he was still up. I woke up normally an hour later than my usual time, six o'clock. And then uh, I figure, oh, because I told him we'll go at seven. So I, I said, okay, I'll just, you know, stay in bed for another uh, half an hour. And then I dreamt. And I thought, it'll only take me about half an hour to get to the airport in my dream. And for some reason, I start to reorganize my luggage in my dream. I start pulling out things and putting them in another luggage so that it will be more, you can see the, the messed up part of my brain, like organizing. After I pull out everything from my luggage, there's this mountain of stuff. It won't fit into that new box that's there. And then magically, there's another luggage. So, somehow it wasn't there before it appeared there. And I started this stuff thing in there. And then a friend come by and said, hey, would you like to have dinner with us? And I came by to his house and I look at the lock. It's all late. It's late. So I woke up and sweat. <laughs> it was 7 o'clock. Anxiety. It fills our heart. It fills, it fills my dream. And the anxiety is what causes us to return to the scripture by faith alone. It's just faith. Sola fide, faith alone, by your faith that we are saved. And knowing that the work, you can't contribute to it, the work is finished by Jesus. You need to remind yourself, there's nothing you can add to your faith for salvation. The work is done by Jesus Christ. All you have to do is have faith. Have faith and believe in the gospel promise. And what did the gospel promise? All that call on the name of Jesus Christ shall be saved. That is a gospel promise. If you cry out to God, if you cry out to Jesus Christ, you will be saved. The devil said, no, no, you're not. But the scripture said, Jesus spent 40 days and nights in the wilderness. What did the devil tempt him with? Your skill, your knowledge of the gospel needs to be elevated.
because the devil has more understanding of gospel than any of us do. If you don't have the gospel promise in your mind, this year I decided that every day I'm going to try to memorize the Bible. Because the devil will come to me anytime. I need to know the Bible. I need to have the gospel in me all the time to combat these lies that the devil has. The gospel promise that whom the Father given unto me, no one can rip them out of my hand. That is the gospel promise. And so when you believe in the gospel promise, what Jesus Christ has done through that promise is now given to you, imputed unto you. And because it is imputed to you, then you and I, we can be, the Bible says, the scripture says this, we are the righteousness of God. We are the righteousness of God, not through what we have done, but through what we believe. And because we are the righteousness of God, not through what we have done, we are grateful. If we've done things that made us righteous, then we are prideful. Hey, look at what I've done. But because it's given to us, then we are grateful. And from gratefulness comes love. Thank God. It's not because of what I've done. Going back to the illustration in the beginning, when you open the door and the father says, my son, what did I do? There's nothing more than gratefulness that translates to love. And when you love God, your love overflows and it manifests in your love to your neighbors and thus fulfill the two greatest commandments Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. The gospel fulfills both promises, not through making you do it, but inspire you to do it. Question, now that I'm justified, what am I supposed to do?